quick. Your company is about to be bought or merged or otherwise smashed together with a group of strangers. What's your first thought? Chances are you're not jumping up and down with glee. There may be stomping and kicking, however. Our guest today on the DeSuckify Work podcast helps companies avoid the common pitfalls of mergers, acquisitions, and large-scale transitions. Jennifer Fondreve is a consultant, author, and has been called the Brené Brown of M&A, with good reason. She helps leaders see the value in a people-first transition strategy, not just because it's the right thing to do, it is, but also because it's the smart thing to do if you care about the success of the transition. Did we mention that 70 to 90% of mergers and acquisitions fail? Perhaps that will wake up a few folks. When you do transitions right, they don't lead to kicking and screaming. They lead to transparency, understanding, and the ability to see new possibilities. We talk about that and so much more during the show. We had particular fun diving into the 10 personas that show up when faced with the uncertainty of a big transition. From the dominatrix to the former rock star to the know-it-all and know-nothing, you'll recognize each of them in past experiences. You may even recognize a few in yourself. And that's okay. We're all human. And if we recognize that, we're already a long way towards creating a better experience next time a big shakeup comes our way. This is Jennifer's superpower, bringing humanity into this process so we can not just survive it, but thrive in it. Sounds pretty de-suckified if you ask me. But don't ask me. Ask Jennifer. She rocks. Take a listen and see for yourself. Okay. All right. Jennifer Fondreve, welcome to the Desuckify Work podcast. <laughs> Let's desuckify work now. <laughs> How hard could it be? <laughs> it's getting harder. It does feel that way. Getting well, harder. Well, speaking of desuckifying, I'd love to hear about the work you do because I think I think you're you're a part of the equation here with a lot of what you're doing. So you want to give people a little background on what you're doing for work and, and maybe how you came to be doing it? Well, the area of work that I'm trying to desuckify, which by the way, I love that. I I I think Webster's, you know, they they do that word of the year. Yeah. Uh, uh, and I forgot. I know they named a word last year that I was like, that's not the word. I think desuckify <laughs> should have been in the running. <laughs> I'm gonna have 2023 to call it. was a really, really rough year. It, it needed some desuckification. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll have to. So I, uh... I hope you're gaining listeners by the troves. <laughs> I hope so, let's, so too. Let's make, let's make 2024 better. Yes, so please. The, the area of work I'm looking to desuckify is the merger and acquisition part. Mm, okay. Um, which, which, you know, depending on who you are, some people might be happy. They kind of took a pause in 2023. Mm -hmm. uh, I think companies were distracted with so much other stuff, which yeah. uh, I won't go into all, I guess we all know full well. Yeah. Name your distraction. And yet the mergers and acquisition piece of business is going to continue. That is not mm -hmm. going. So it yeah. took a pause in 2023, but is going to ramp up again in 2024 mm -hmm. because companies just, um, frankly, uh, for growth strategy, it continues to be a very viable option. Companies mm -hmm. are distressed. You know, they can't, they can't survive on their own. Um, mm -hmm. They don't have a succession plan. Uh, and so they're looking to partner, um, you know, merge or acquire with another company. And so yet, uh, having been the survivor of three separate multi-billion dollar 
uh, M&A deals, I know mm-hmm. that it can be a very sucky time uh-huh. in your career when you're going through a merger and acquisition. So mm-hmm. I focus, it's a, it's a narrow little niche, but yeah. billions of people <laughs> or billions of dollars are passed and millions of people are affected um, by mergers and acquisitions. So that's my area. Yeah. Well, I, I love that. I think I think it affects people in a really powerful way when you're a part of that. And I also think, and we can get into this a little bit later, but my my hunch is that a lot of the strategies that apply to mergers and acquisitions may also be relevant for people going through any kind of transition or, yes. or chaotic change in the workplace. And so I think we'll, we'll dive into that too. Um, before we go too deep into this stuff, I always like to ask people, um, what is your, I think you kind of started to allude to this, but what is your POV on the state of work right now? Where does it fall on the suck meter? Um, and unfortunately pretty high. Yeah. Uh, and I, it, it pains me to say mm-hmm. that because, you know, I feel like, I feel like the kid who said, you know, but I like school. I like, <laughs> like I was that kid. I liked yeah. school. Uh, I'm a solopreneur now consultant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I actually, uh, I was in advertising. I loved advertising. Yeah. I, to this day, am so thankful that the first 15 years of my career, mm-hmm. I was surrounded by just wacky people, right? Yeah. Just who thought outside of the box. They didn't even know there was a box, right? Mm-hmm. They, yeah. they just thought differently. I was in account management. Mm-hmm. I got really good at selling ideas to clients because I could understand how the creative could move people mm-hmm. and, and the value proposition and positioning, like all of that skill set that I now have in my M&A work mm. um, is thanks to that. So I loved advertising. Yeah. I, I talked to my friends who are still in advertising, God bless them. <laughs> and, and it's just, and I hate this, I'm going to say it. You know, the bean counters have, have kind of have taken over and, and sucked out the creative energy that made advertising what it was, what it is, yeah. what it would be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and I I think the 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 conversation that I had most recently that makes me think about it is creatives, true creative, and I'm speaking to the choir on this one, right? Yeah. But it's about just big ideas, things that people mm-hmm. have never done. Yep. And on the the more finance side, it's about formulas and templates, mm-hmm. doing things consistently so you know what the return is. And yeah. those two don't meet. And so when that that formula part takes over, mm-hmm. you know, it's just made it harder to really be successful. So I I applaud those those companies who champion just wonderful creative ideas. Mm-hmm. Um you know, we need more of that. So it pains me to say that I feel like we're probably pretty high on the yeah meter. Yeah. Uh, but I, you know, conversations like this, I got to give hope. So I feel like we can we can desuckify one yeah. <laughs> one little podcast at a time, as long as we're out there preaching the message. I I agree, and I I, de- I definitely see and feel what you're talking about out there. I mean, my LinkedIn feed is filled with folks, particularly from the advertising world, which is my world, like just frustrated, stuck, um, disappointed yeah. you know, that, that, the, that quote unquote, the bean counters have, have 
taken some of the fun out of it and not just because people want to have fun at work, but because having fun at work is how you become more creative right. and come it's up. How with you it. stand out. Yeah. So still, I still, I remember uh, a campaign that we had sold um, and I, I'm not going to name names. Let's just, it was a window cleaner. Okay. <laughs> A window cleaner. I mean, mm. it's back like in 1997. And this, okay. this whole odyssey, I still remember. Mm -hmm. And we had done ethnography work with, with women who use window cleaners. And mm -hmm. one of the epiphany was women loved clean windows because it let light into their life. It let mm. light into their space. And oh, we thought, this is brilliant, yeah. right? We're going to do a campaign about light streaming through windows. That that mm -hmm. is what people really are looking for. Mm -hmm. And the the focus groups around the storyboards, right? So it's hard to show, you know, the power of light streaming in a cartoon. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> well, they're sitting in a windowless room in in right. you know, some office right. park. <laughs> and so the focus groups were meh about yeah. it. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the other campaign, which was about, you know, three times the amount of ammonia than the leading <laughs> competitor. And so what I know to this day would have been an amazing campaign of mm -hmm. just the streaming through windows and the power of light in your space. Mm -hmm. your, I mean, you talk about it now in environment, you know, work environments. The, mm -hmm. And so to this day, I just and I remember I felt like the lawyer who had just lost her case for her client. <laughs> You know, I remember just sobbing with my my copywriter and yeah. art director being like, this, this, we should have won. Yeah. Oh <laughs> like my I'm gosh. still getting teary-eyed about it. <laughs> I, I feel that. Yeah. I've been in many of those situations and it's like, I think, you know, there, there can be joy in knowing you put in the good fight. Like that's true. But I think when you, when you don't feel like you've gotten the fair chance right you now. And I think that's maybe a little bit of what people feel out there is like, there are outside factors that feel like they're impacting their ability to do their work at right. the best level. And, and, yeah. and I have to imagine that shows up uh, in complicated ways in the M&A space, where, oh, where there's a lot of, of, of a sense of disempowerment. And just a feeling of like, I don't even know what we're doing. So how do I know yeah. what to do. I mean, what, what is your experience when you get into the, to these big deals and there's, you know, like you said, just crazy numbers being thrown about and there's a lot of attention at the top levels around, you know, getting the minutia of those numbers just right. What, what is everyone else feeling <laughs> during those times and, and how do you help people deal with that? Well, I, I, I focus on the people aspect of mm -hmm. all of that. Yeah. So my, my role, I feel at the beginning, because typically with a merger and acquisition, a deal team, an advisory team, mm -hmm. the lawyer, right? Yep. <laughs> it's a lot of legal compliance stuff, yep. accountant, finance, all critical pieces. Like that, mm -hmm. that's the known, Hey, we need to, we need to get that, that group together. Yep. You may have the wealth management advisor if it's, you know, middle market CEO, mm -hmm. you know, what, how are we thinking about this? Mm -hmm. And my goal is to, to make as part of standard operating procedure that you have a human capital advisor. 
Hmm. Someone in the room who says, okay, all of these numbers, you're working hard to have them make sense. Mm-hmm. Really get that. That's the focus. Let's, is, does this transaction make sense? Is the valuation, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And I'll say, but none of these numbers make a difference, right? Deal success doesn't rest on the numbers. It rests on the people who are mm-hmm. executing against the strategy that will deliver these numbers. Right. And if you haven't factored that in, if you haven't assessed, you know, is this leadership team the right leadership team to go from where we were to where we need to go? Mm-hmm. Just given that first question, right? Because you're yes. often evaluating the leadership team based on a static set of metrics. Mm-hmm. And I'll always say, but these metrics are changing automatically. Then you're 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 acquiring a company, you're merging with another company. Mm-hmm. This is going to to change that dynamic. So you have to one evaluate that. Mm-hmm. Say leadership. I'm not just talking your C-suite, right? right. You both know that the, the real work gets done in the middle. Yeah. And I'm just in the C-suite, so I'm, you know, this is not bastardizing the C-suite. Mm-hmm. You absolutely, it's critical to have that leadership. Sure. But to embrace and digest that new strategy and have it make sense to the front line, you know, mm-hmm. of organization, those are your those are your middle managers. And so my my role really at the beginning of the of the deal journey, if you will, mm-hmm. is to highlight that people dynamic, the role that people play in mm-hmm. executing for success. Mm. Do do you find that people are are receptive to that message? No. That they-, <laughs> <laughs> they are not. No. They are not. So how I'm, do the you, canary, I'm the canary in the coal mine. So how do you get them eventually to listen and say, okay, let's work together and let's figure this thing that I don't want to talk about out? You write a book, like <laughs> nice. I did, yeah. that has uh, that has a Spotify playlist attached to it and that has mm-hmm. 10 different caricatures of mm-hmm. the different types of personas who come to life. Mm-hmm. Um, one of those is the dominatrix. Uh, I highlight that one in particular only because I think people are just fascinated by the fact that there's a, I go to more conferences where I think they invite me just because they want to know why does this woman have a dominatrix uh, on a cartoon board? Yeah. Right. Uh, And that's the bully. Uh, Mm. And, you know, and I, and I say upfront, like these are caricatures intentionally, they are not gender specific. So I could have drawn a bully too, but I had a DE and I, friend of mine, look at my cartoon characters Uh, and say, you need to make sure you skewer both genders equally. And so (laughs) I turned my bully into a dominatrix and there you are. So uh, (laughs) it's been fascinating. Uh, Mm. She has gotten me into more rooms simply because people are like, okay, why with the dominatrix? And that person in particular in an M&A, not to, not to go down this path too much, but Mm -hmm. I can't say dominatrix and not explain what that's about. Yes. Uh, I just, it is that person in the deal who has no compassion or empathy, who frankly, by the way, uh, senior leadership loves, boards tend mm-hmm. to love because they're they're just about growth. Let's get mm-hmm. this. But what can happen is they don't listen mm-hmm. to, to other potential subject matter experts. They're just, these are the objectives. You're either on, you're either on board or you're not. Mm-hmm. So you key talent. Yeah. Uh, frankly, you burn people out very quickly 
Uh, and, and so I'm always, particularly when I've spoken with boards, I'll always say to them, this is a very seductive personality because he or she is going to get the job done, but mm -hmm. you have to also factor in the long-term consequences of this. You may lose key talent. Mm -hmm. and, and frankly, um, if you've got people who are just yes people, right, just taking orders and doing it and operating out of fear, you're not getting the best work out of them. So not only do they burn out, but you're not getting the best work. Mm. And so that's just one of the personalities. But back to your original question, it's that's I used. Well, I shouldn't say I used it. The inspiration for my book and why mm -hmm. I wrote it was very personal. I just mm -hmm. saw the human factor not being considered. And I thought yeah. if I wrote about it in a way that people could see. Mm -hmm. Oh, but we can do this differently if we're just smarter about it. That's yeah. what I that's what I'm I'm hoping will make people more receptive to the message. Yeah. Yeah. Are uh have people been, have some folks kind of heard yes. that and and said, okay, I'm gonna pay attention to this. Thankfully. And yeah. and and um to be upfront, uh again, I, I thank my advertising career, advertising mm -hmm. and marketing. The, my illustrations are uh done by Jeff York, who mm. I worked with in um, the early nineties, he was wow. the head, head, crea head creative director at J Walter Thompson in Chicago, oh, that's still awesome. a friend of mine. Mm -hmm. And, um, I will absolutely say this every time my book is lovely, but his illustrations brought it to life in a way that I never could have. And I'm thankful that my advertising career made me see words and visuals together are mm -hmm. create the impact. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wrote out great characters, but he mm -hmm. made them, he made them real. And yeah. so uh, I'm thankful for that. Yeah. I totally get that. I've, I've seen them and I think the descriptions are great because they do, they do start to bring that picture from like attention getting to, Ooh, I know that person. Yes. But, but you do get that attention with, with these different images. I mean, I think, you know, um, you know, I, I think there you've got the former rock star in there. And yeah, the, he's he's one of my more popular ones. <laughs> Everyone knows a former rock star or it's like, ooh, I think that was me. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, it's tough. I mean, I think I think probably most, certainly from a creative perspective, I think there's times where you feel that way. And it doesn't have to be a merger or an acquisition. It can just be like a slight shift in focus for the agency and suddenly you're like, Oh, absolutely. Yeah. The thing, the thing I do isn't the thing we do anymore. What do I do? So I think you, you, in addition to your book, really giving a good playbook for people to think about the human side of, of the M and a world. I think it just gives people uh, fodder for thinking about how to survive through change. Right. Because, you can be at an agency that never gets acquired, never merges, but yet it feels like five different agencies over the course of five yeah. years. That's leadership change, or that's just simply, I think, in advertising in particular, but most business, you're chasing something. You're chasing some new trend or something, and so yeah. you shift your focus. So do, do you ever find yourself providing guidance to folks who are not specifically in the M&A space, but are just dealing with some kind of transition? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, honestly, my I did a TEDx talk uh, mm -hmm. back in 2022, and it was about that—just embracing uncertainty. Uh, mm -hmm. 
what's what's funny for me is I hadn't realized. So embracing uncertainty, the the idea first came to me just through my M and A. Right, I was really um, struggling in the first uh, M and A deal that I went through. Yeah. It was mm-hmm. just I had loved the company. It was mm-hmm. an app, digital mapping company. So now mm-hmm. maps are everywhere, yeah. right? But back in the late '90s and early 2000s, you know, it was. It was like a navigation device you could buy at Radio Shack, and it was on mm. the bottom shelf, and it was eight hundred bucks, right? Mm. Or it was in someone's Mercedes, right? right. It was high end. Now mm-hmm. maps are everywhere. Yep. But I love the company, and mm. and we were creating something spectacular, and we were acquired by Nokia, mm-hmm. and it just it threw me. I mm-hmm. I was they were B two C, we were B two B. I was. I was convinced, and I think you'll appreciate this. I was convinced. I just had to do the PowerPoint in a better way for them to understand the value that we had. Like I, I, I thought I could solve it through PowerPoint. (laughs) You know, I'm really good at PowerPoint and telling a story. I was like, no, 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 no. You just, let me, let me go. Let me try again. I, you know, I, oh God, just thinking about, you know, all the ways that I just didn't get the message. It was like, Mm -hmm. no. Let it go, lady. <laughs> like mm-hmm. this is you're you're now part of Nokia, the bigger mm-hmm. mothership. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think what what I have realized though in in talking to other people is a lot of the stuff that I talk about, this need to embrace uncertainty, isn't specific to mergers and acquisitions. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're facing uncertainty in general. And yeah. so it's it's why the TEDx talk became more about clarity on your value, right? Focusing on what you can control, which is mm-hmm. your expertise, your value. So mm-hmm. that's first and foremost. And then your effort and your attitude, right? I call it my TEA framework. It's just mm-hmm. the more you focus on what you can control, which are your things, your talent, mm-hmm. your effort, your attitude, mm-hmm. then the uncertainty, the chaos around you is less disruptive, destabilizing because you're clear on who you are and where mm-hmm. you're going to put your energy. Mm. And I feel like I, I can't tell you how many times I need to remind myself, don't put your energy against something that you can't control. Like you got to put yeah. it against those things that are important, right? Mm-hmm. So they go through a whole you know, series of five questions for you to help prioritize what's important. But I, I, I feel that I'm, I'm thankful, actually, that because of my book and the work that I do, I've had more people reach out to me, mm-hmm. say, hey, you know, a lot of your advice actually resonated with me. I'm a nurse. I've had mm-hmm. nurses and teachers, yeah. you know, people who I, I would never imagine mm-hmm. I work would resonate with that had just... um it said them, it, it helped them get through. And and I just remember one young lady who was a teacher saying, and I, now you've helped me identify the person I'm working with as a dominatrix. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I was like, well, then, then, you know, like, here's what you got to do. You oh know? God. Well, now that person has that mental image too. Every time they see that person. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, and what's the, the last point that I will make is it's allowed me to be a, be a bit of a Nostradamus, which I, mm. I never expected because I've had many people describe someone that they're working with. And I'll say, oh, that's the Black Widow. Yeah. And and <laughs> and uh, he will say, well, how do you know? And I'll say, well, you know, are they doing this? So in the case of the Black Widow, I'll say, are they acting friendly and asking you a lot of questions and getting knowledge from you? 
Mm-hmm. And I remember this one conversation in particular with the, with the woman, she was like, yes. And she said, I feel like I'm suddenly not being invited to as many meetings as I mm-hmm. used to. And I said, oh, that you are definitely dealing with a black widow. Mm-hmm. It says, they're taking knowledge from you to make you expendable. Mm-hmm. You know, not trying to always paint some nefarious, you know, yeah. everyone to get you. Um, I just always want to be honest about when, when, when things are uncertain, you don't always see the best side of people. That's why yeah. the, the show Survivor was so popular. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You see people do some pretty crazy things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so my goal is always just to prepare people and make them smart for how to navigate it. Yeah. I mean, I think it's an interesting notion. I mean, human nature, it, it is what it is in some ways and you have to be, be prepared for it. And I think on, on some level, you know, you talk about the fact that, that this, this goes beyond mergers and acquisitions to just change and transitional things. And it's like, that's kind of the world we live in, in many yeah. ways. Like, I think that's what people feel. And in some ways, that's why I think people feel really disrupted is because they're seeing some of these behaviors. Yes. They're noticing it probably in their fellow hum- humans. And, and it's probably showing up in themselves and they're maybe just trying to avoid the fact that they're doing it too. Um, yeah. And so, but I think the more people recognize and understand that, and then, you know, a, a, as you point out in, in your book and elsewhere, what do you do with that information? If, if you know that somebody is, is kind of regressing into one of these personas, how yeah, do you yeah. best communicate with them, manage them, um, just deal with them and hopefully get them back to the better version of right. themselves. I mean, is that part of the work you do is thinking of Absolutely. how you take these folks and elevate them back up to their, their best selves? Yeah. And it's why in the book I highlight, and you know, not everyone who's listening will have read the book. So don't yeah. worry. Yeah. Uh, the highlight is these are, these are personas that ideally you aren't going to be permanently. And more mm-hmm. often it's just a moment in time mm-hmm. and, you know, to steal from Mahatma Gandhi, right? Mm. My whole goal is be the change you wish to see. To me, yeah. critical to, frankly, even desuckifying work is mm-hmm. modeling the behavior mm-hmm. that you want to see more of. Yes. So, uh, I say to, I've been invited to a lot of, you know, w- women in business, women in different things, uh, mm-hmm. you know, even uh, graduate school, you know, how to, how to enter the workforce. Mm-hmm. And I'll say, you know, the, the, don't assume all leaders know everything you need mm-hmm. to role model the behavior you want to see in others. And you can mm-hmm. be a leader at any stage in your career, mm-hmm. you role model leadership behavior. Mm-hmm. And, and for me, that was so, it was a lesson learned in my merger and acquisition experience, but to me, it transcends life in general, right? Mm-hmm. Don't say fold your arms and say, well, this is the way it's going to be. Yeah. I gave up a really successful 25 year in, in, in corporate marketing to start all over again. And I would mm-hmm. say not even at zero, like at <laughs> negative 10, I had no business being an M&A, right? Yeah. I wasn't very good at math. Yeah. So, but I, I thought there's, there's gotta be a better way to do mm-hmm. M&A. And so yeah. that's, that was my little mission. Mm-hmm. But I think all of us have that opportunity and yeah. it doesn't, you have to, you have to give things up. It's just mm-hmm. modeling the behavior you want to see. And the more you do that, I I have found the more other people go, oh, 
Mm. I mean, there's a different way to do this. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, it's 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 one one step at a time, but we all play a role in it. So you can't always assume that people above you mm-hmm. are going to do what you want. You need to role model. Okay, here's what I'm looking for. This is what this mm-hmm. should. Be. This is how we should do it. And I've seen more. I'll say this for younger people in particular. Mm-hmm. Younger people doing that. And when I say younger, we're just talking. You know, you've just you're you've just entered the workforce. Yeah. You have an opportunity to be a leader as well, right mm-hmm. from the beginning. Yeah. And I think I actually feel like younger people get this some in some ways better than those of us who are who are who are a little bit older because I, I think they they're just not willing to accept yes. like the way things are. It's like I think they've, you know, I think young people yes. have gone through a lot uh growing up and they show up and they go, No, I'm I'm not I'm not tolerating. Oh, yeah. Stuff. And so some of them do show up like this is this is how I want to be. And and you got to kind of get in line. And I think there's a lot of value in that. And it also comes back to like that notion of what you said, what you can control, you know, your talent, your your effort and your attitude. And I think showing up with the best version of that yep. is a great model. And, and I also thought as you were talking about the ability to deal with change and all that, like that's part of your talent mm-hmm. like that becomes part of of your skill set is you know i think i saw somewhere that you know ceos you know what are you looking for and one of them was something along the lines of adaptability or building to, ability to right. deal with change because that's just the world we're in now so if you can show up and have that in your toolkit um yes. not only are you modeling that behavior but you've got people who who are a little further up the chain you know they're looking down and going one i need that and two mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I used to be able to do that, and it kind of knocks you out of your stupor of being kind of swallowed by the sense of change and, and, and fear, and moving into to the better version of your own self. So I think it kind of works in both directions in that way. And and honestly, I mean, I'm going to be upfront. I, I I sound like a someone who's a smoker who's now a non-smoker, <laughs> but uh, I hated change. That's yeah. for- Acquisition yeah. and I like you know, going back to my PowerPoints. I just kept mm-hmm. thinking, I don't know, you know, we 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 know mapping, we know digital mm-hmm. mapping. Let us keep doing this the way we've been doing it. Right mm-hmm. now, some of that was valid. Yeah. Right. I, I think they were they saw us as a line item. Mm-hmm. You know, we're just we want to get our maps at this amount of money. You know, yep. and we felt mm-hmm. like no mapping can completely change the dynamic. Right. Like what's playing out now with mapping is exactly what 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 Navtech saw. And so mm-hmm. I feel so privileged to have been part of that company. Yeah. Maps was just kind of at the beginning. And now Maps, I mean, you don't realize Maps powers Uber. You know, mm-hmm. Uber was about was going to buy Navtech, right? Mm-hmm. Like Maps GPS, where you know, your ability on Peloton to ride the Tour de France. Uh-huh. Again, it's all mapping data. So yeah. to know the power of mapping, you know, I was so so excited. I was like, you guys, we are not a line item. Right. But again, um, I was resistant to the change. Mm-hmm. And so now my goal is I focus on MA, but I'm just always I'm I'm coaching and consulting on just how do you adapt? How do you pivot? And mm-hmm. I go back to every time you got to be crystal clear on your value. And if you feel you're deficient, right, you got to mm-hmm. knowledge, get curious, keep learning, be smart, train yourself, you know, take take all the training and development, learning and development um, opportunities that you have at mm-hmm. work that you can. 
uh, you know, because the more skill sets you have, the clearer you are on what you're really good at. And, mm. and that is just so critical to to navigating the uncertainty that we're just going to face perpetually. Yeah, it, it's it's funny you're talking about, you know, working in advertising and um, there's been a, a fairly big merger in the in the advertising space, VML merging with Wonderman Thompson, which Wonderman Thompson was formed by a merger of Wonderman. Hey, Walter Thompson and Wonderman. Oh yeah. Trust yeah. me. I was like, I feel like M&A has been throughout my life. I was like, I was an yeah. and they all went through. So, I, and I think it's interesting because I think in advertising, even though most of us are all about big ideas and things that are new, I also think there's a lot of resistance to change because it's hard work coming up with new ideas and, and, and doing that. And if something comes in to disrupt that, it feels like, oh my God, right. I'm, I'm going to fail. And if I fail, then I'm, I'm useless. So you've got this, this, this kind of big coming together, high level stuff happening in an, an ad agency. Like if you were, you're coaching somebody who is middle manager or, or even just kind of a rising, you know, getting going from individual contributor to manager level, how do you how do you give them hope and and some sense that they they aren't just kind of a pinball bouncing around you know without any ability to impact their direction um what what would be some of the maybe the top few things you would you would offer to them as a way to give them some hope and some sense of 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 you know uh, uh control over the future well, I think there's there's two thoughts that come to mind. One is what to do and then control over the future. But on the mm -hmm. what to do, um, and frankly, it's it's funny. I think it's why I, I I got along with the creatives when I was in was in advertising. Mm -hmm. is, is taking care of the minutia, the administrative stuff to give them white space, right? Mm -hmm. To just think big thoughts you know, to get out of all the chaos around you. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I feel like particularly with, with, you know, when I'm, when I'm speaking at, at the college level, I'm, I'm saying you, you need to create white space for yourself. No one will give that to you. And mm. I get the allure of social media. Mm -hmm. But the pull of that robs you of the white space mm. that you need to create to just, that's where your big ideas come from. I, mm -hmm. my, this second chapter of my career came from creating white space. I had gone through my third multi-billion dollar acquisition. I was actually in the process of interviewing for my next CMO role, but I was writing this book. Mm -hmm. uh, and the the space I started to create with the book, you know, coupled with like interviews from CEOs who said like, this book is really good. Like you've got to do more around the book. But I, mm -hmm. the whole book idea, like I coming up with a Spotify playlist and 10 character caricatures. Yeah. Because I just, I had to just think differently and that wasn't mm -hmm. going to come by, by being bombarded by all the outside noise. So I'd say mm -hmm. first and foremost is, no one's going to give you white space. You got to create it. Mm. And that's not just for your health and wellness. You definitely mm -hmm. need it for that, but it's, that's where create creativity comes. Yeah, I agree. You know, Martin Lindstrom, um, who I know and, and love, you know, talks a lot about the fact that people are no longer bored mm. because they're on their phone. Yeah. 
Right. And boredom is where a lot of innovation happens. It's where a lot of creativity comes from. And mm -hmm. give, your give yourself the chance to be bored. Yeah, uh, that would be my first piece of advice. You know? I know it's funny because I think that almost terrifies some people because we've gotten so good at just shoving that away with whatever it is, whether it's our phones or playing games or whatever we can do, or one of the millions of streaming services we can watch. It's like, um, yeah, yeah, I forget you forget that, like, yeah, you used to just sometimes be sitting around, like, I don't know what to do, <laughs> and that's like, yeah, that is where suddenly your brain sort of just just goes in different directions because it's like it's in search of something right to, to kind of stimulate it and fill it up versus just the mindlessness of the scroll yeah yeah and and you know the, so the other part uh answer uh to that i think we've already touched on a little bit um mm -hmm. you know in terms of like how to think about the future i i just i'm always reminding people you have more in your control than you think mm. If you if you sit back and I I definitely am this growth mindset versus yeah. mindset you know Carol yeah. Dweck love her mm -hmm. um, Carol Dweck is the one who defined you know there's growth mindset folks and fixed mindset mm -hmm. I've always been a growth mindset yeah. I sit back and wait for someone else to do it if I see something that I think should be done. And by the way, I test it with others and they, mm -hmm. if, you know, if there's a, a majority who say, yeah, you're right, we should fix this. This could mm -hmm. be done. Better. In the case of M&A, you know, now they're coming out of the woodwork to say, I think you're onto something, Jennifer. Like we could, yeah. there doesn't have to be a 70 to 90% failure rate in M&A. Maybe if wow. we actually paid attention to the stuff you talk about, this could be better. That's but crazy. to me, that's the other aspect. Mm -hmm. There's more control than you think. And yeah. it's about how you how you think about that and approach mm -hmm. it and going back to the you know one of the themes that we've hit on here role model the behavior you wish to see don't mm. wait for others to give it to you start being the change yeah yeah i think that that's uh it's it's great advice it, it almost like on, on some level i'm like well of course but i think the combination of um whether it's an emerger and acquisition setting or just the the sort of constant pace of change like you talked about before our less than best selves start to creep into the equation yeah. and that can kind of blind us to that growth mindset part of us and suddenly mm -hmm. you're stuck and so just like you know whatever you can do to give yourself reminders of like who i truly am is somebody who believes i can impact my future and i can uh do things that will affect the way I show up in the world and ultimately affect the way my environment actually can change around that. Um, like you almost have to give yourself, um, I kind of, my brain is going to just simple like post-its, but it's whatever you can do to just kind of go like something that can smack you out of it. When, when, when we inevitably slip into whatever caricature we slip into when things get a little bit crazy. Um, well, here, the, here's an example that comes to mind. So my third, the third acquisition that I went mm -hmm. through, I had a number of people say, wow, you seem awfully calm. And I was like, mm -hmm. oh, I, I, I know how this is going to play out. Uh -huh. <laughs> I've been to this rodeo. Exactly. And, uh, and so I was let go uh, mm -hmm. and I figured it was inevitable. Yeah. Right. Uh, I, I recognized cause I was about to launch a product that we had to shelve because of the acquisition. Mm -hmm. Right. Had been hired as the CMO was to launch this product, and like right. two weeks before, 
uh, Jennifer, you know that product? Well, hey, we're being acquired. <laughs> and I remember, um, you know, the typical when someone's let go, people act funny at the office, mm -hmm. it's just, you know, and I, I said, you know, no, that is not going to be my narrative. Mm -hmm. So I, I did a presentation, you know, to help people understand, hey, here's where we were. Um, this is where I see the opportunities are. I was mm -hmm. on every call. I transitioned my knowledge. Mm -hmm. I, you know, people who like in the kitchen area would like, you know, hang their yeah. head. I'd be like, hey, Bob, you know, <laughs> and I thought, and it was funny because then, you know, the final week, people were completely different. Like they were chatty with me, you know, they invited mm -hmm. me even to more meetings where typically I had no reason to be there. Mm -hmm. And I say like, that's a perfect example, right? When you've been let go, mm -hmm. it can be like, you know, the scorched earth policy, or I say, take the high road and, and act like, you know what, this has been a great company. I have done great service for this company and I, mm. I deserve to be treated with respect and I'm going to respect the company as well. Mm. And if I go, good luck, bless you. You know, yeah. it was a disastrous couple months after I left and I, I knew that was going to happen, but yeah. You know I just like that, that to me is a perfect scenario where typically people are like, oh, you know, when you're let go and it's just mm -hmm. awful. like, you know what? I would have been the person like if they had to walk me out, I'd have been with my box and my ruler. I'd have been handing out like, hey, do you need the stapler? You know, like, yeah, just own, own your own story. Mm. I, I love that. And I think like um, when you do that, like you said, you're, you're, you're now giving people a different model of of how to behave in, in that situation or again, any disruptive situation. But it also, you know, one of the things that that shows up when, when you're talking about, particularly I think in mergers and acquisitions, but we have such an identity attached to our work and our job. And, Absolutely. Um, and, and I think, you know, like, I think people say like, if you can loosely hold your identity, that's good. Like you get a little something, a little juice out of that. But if you are so attached, not even just to your job, but to the place where you do your job, then of course, if somebody says you yeah. no longer have that, it, yeah, it's it's a an absolute assault on you. Oh, absolutely, and you know? and and frankly, it's why the through line of my of my book and and the work that I do. So even the talks that I give, the headline is "Know Your Value." Mm -hmm. That was a really hard thing for me yeah. to appreciate because exactly I identified, particularly with Navtech. It's why mm -hmm. I was devastated. Yeah, with all the work that I had done mm -hmm. and I identified with. Right, I I I had an amazing boss. We we built up, you know, great go to market strategies around the world, mm -hmm. and suddenly to have that be assassinated, right? Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, and, and deconstructed. I was like, oh my god, you know, yeah. that's how I work. Yeah. And, and so it took me a while to recognize that knowing your value, you know, don't get attached to the title and that, you know, your identity is understanding you, your expertise mm -hmm. and what you bring to each thing that you do. Yeah. And, and exactly, as you said, you have to decouple, you can bring that to the company, but mm -hmm. you got to be crystal clear on, on what that is that you, that you bring. And, the, mm -hmm. you know, just on that, I think it's why that scene and you've got mail with Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks, right? Yeah. Where he, like it's not it's nothing personal, it's just business. Mm -hmm. and, and her comment is, what are you talking about? It it's it's always personal, right? right? The 
the thing you want out of your employees is that they 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 treat the job as though it's their it's their own mm-hmm. and it's personal for them. That's when you get the best work out of employees. So then when you yeah. take it away and you say, ah, yeah, that's good then, not now. <laughs> you know, it's you've pulled the rug out from under people. And mm-hmm. so I, I say that was a big journey for me was to realize my my identity had to be something that I own based on mm-hmm. the value I bring. Yeah. Uh, that's, you know, understanding what you're, again, I go back to what's your talent, you know, mm-hmm. and you put your effort and how do you keep a positive attitude? Yeah. I, I think that's a big, important shift that is probably more important than ever because it's getting more and more clear that, that people are less tightly attached to any company at any given time because of all the possible ways that things can be disrupted because of the increase in the gig economy, freelance, consulting, fractional, all this stuff. It's like, we're going to move around. So how do we build a stable identity that we can take with us and pour completely into whatever we're doing, but know that when the time comes, when that ends, because it's almost inevitably going to end, that we can then put it all back on, carry it somewhere else, and hopefully have it built up even stronger because we've learned and grown through the process rather than feeling like, like you said, we've been assassinated. Our identity has just been vaporized. You know, I think that's, that's hard work. I mean, I don't want to pretend it's easy, but it seems it like the only way through in, in this world where we're in right now. Yeah. And, and, uh, yeah. And it's, it's why, you know, to quote from Taylor Swift. <laughs> of course. <laughs> oh, I swear to God, I'm, I'm, I won't be surprised if someone says, so are you thinking of running for president at some time? <laughs> <laughs> Wayne the Rock Johnson has already already revealed that he was approached for that, which is nice. Crazy. Yeah, but it's betting on you. Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, and I think going back to the the concept that we talked about earlier, this embracing uncertainty. Mm-hmm. You, know, you can embrace uncertainty when you're when you're clear on who you are and what you offer and what your value is, and and betting on you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she's. I mean, she started her journey at like 20, uh, when she was 14. Yeah. And so she's been doing yeah. it 20 years. Um, yeah. and I just, I, I thought that people need to feel comfortable to bet on themselves. Yeah. I think for whatever reason, we don't inherently feel that comfort. I can't even begin to understand. There's so many probably psychological processes that are layering on there that have, that create that feeling, but but I agree. I well, think it's we, exactly as you said, we identify with the job that we do. So we, yeah. you know, he defines us. And that that has been the case. I definitely say yeah. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was uh, all my philosophy. Like that's why I made yeah. the joke about now I'm a non-smoker. So I'm like, yeah. no, no, no. You're, you define your identity. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I love that analogy. Um, you know, one of the other things that that shows up in the in the merger and acquisition space that that is related to a lot of what I like to pay attention to is the culture equation, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you know, whether it's VML and Wonderman Thompson or whomever, like there's cultures established, whether those companies actively establish them or not, there are cultures there. And do, do you find like, are people aware of that? Do they pay attention to that any more than anything? And, and when, if they do, what are they doing or what are you helping them do to to make sure that 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 becomes a an additive process rather than either a stagnant or even worse a subtractive process right because i feel like culture can be one plus one equals three it can be one plus one equals two maybe or it could be one plus one equals zero 
where, right. where you just and then both of the cultures just die. So yeah. how do you how do you help people navigate that? That's a tough one, I would think. Oh, absolutely. And it's fascinating to me. So I had left Foot Conan Belding before its merger with draft, but mm. Yeah, I mean, you, you, anybody in advertising knows what a disaster that was. Yes. Right? And that was yeah. purely culture driven. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Draft having been considered below the line advertising. Mm -hmm. Yeah. MCB, uh, above the line advertising. Oh. Like, talk about two very different cultures. Two different worlds. Yeah. And in MA, I, I would say it is recognized that culture influences the, the deal dynamic. Mm -hmm. where I see the issue is that it's often relegated to let's just get the deal done and we'll take care of it afterwards. Mm. Um, you know, the, the senior leadership has met from both sides. We get along, we share mm. the same values. You know, we had a steak dinner, we chatted way into the night. This is going to be great. That mm -hmm. is not how you assess culture. Right. It just, it just isn't. And mm -hmm. so a lot of the work that I do, frankly, <laughs> includes those great steak dinners mm -hmm. <laughs> that then you get into the work mm -hmm. and things start to fall apart mm -hmm. and talent starts to leave. Yeah. And, and I, I absolutely, I've done culture assessment. I've worked on culture integration. Mm -hmm. uh, if you haven't picked up by now, I'm an analogy lady. Yeah, uh, I like it. Yeah. So the, the way I help senior executives and frontline leaders think about it is I'll say, okay, let's let's equate this to you are a tourist. You are going to a foreign country, right? Mm -hmm. Let's we're gonna go to go to Italy. Mm -hmm. Think about what's gonna prepare you for that trip. You don't know the language, you don't know the people, mm -hmm. right? What are some of the things you might do? You'll research it, maybe you'll buy a book. Key, mm -hmm. key phrases in Italian. Yeah. You'll ask people who went to Italy, where'd you where, where should we go? Where mm -hmm. should we stay? Yeah. I say, you need to take that same mindset as a company. There's mm -hmm. country culture has the same dynamics as company culture. You need mm -hmm. to think like a tourist. Yeah. Be curious. You need to want to learn about each other, right? Mm -hmm. You think Italians are really going to appreciate you as a tourist if you say, well, that's not how we do it in the U.S. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's why a lot of French people hate Americans. Right. Yeah. Because it's like Garçon, you know, <laughs> they don't learn the language. They don't try. And yeah. I say, so you got to think the same way where you've had amazing, you know, and I always have that. Well, we went to Italy. We had a great time because we learned some key phrases. Mm -hmm. We researched. I said, you got to have the same mentality. Yeah. You all have acronyms. Mm hmm learn each other's language. And oh, by the way, teach each other the language. Mm -hmm. Same the tourist, right? The more you learn that little phrase in French, you know, où est la toilette? Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so it, for me, that's where I've had, I'd say, the greatest epiphanies. It's mm -hmm. not just, you know, assessments and the 25 questions and then how do we work together and what, mm -hmm. what box are you in in the four box? Mm -hmm. it, make it simple. I say, think like a tourist. Yeah. I wonder if do people because you talked about the failure rate, which kind of just blows my mind, the 70 to 90 percent failure rate of mergers and acquisitions. And I think. I don't know what percentage of that is related to the culture equation, but it's probably a good chunk is just 
like you said, with draft and FCB. It was just. It's usually, I mean, you've had so many different studies, but typically mm-hmm. Cooper's in the top three. Yeah. Right? There's there's the um, inflated valuation. Mm-hmm. Right? The lack of success means that by year one, they did not hit mm-hmm. the valuation that no. was, you know, the reason why they did the deal in the first place. And mm-hmm. There's a number of variables for that. So culture is is just one part of it. But, yeah, you know, overestimated valuation. Mm-hmm. Um, efficiencies, right? A lot mm-hmm. of particularly multi-billion dollar M&A deals are for efficiencies and they mm-hmm. don't gain the efficiencies. It's not yeah. considered success. Yeah. And, and you and I both know what looks good on paper can be very hard to execute. Yeah. But the typically is, is um, always up there uh, mm-hmm. in the in the top three or five reasons for why, why the deal didn't go well. Mm-hmm. But you know, what I'd say is the through line throughout is just human behavior. Yeah. You can, you can have um, forecasts and metrics and, and grids and templates that all say, this is what's going to be achieved. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really an unknown until yeah. people are doing the work. And so that's the, that's the, that's the role I'm trying to play is prepare those leadership uh, and frontline leaders for mm-hmm. to be prepared um, yeah. to give a better chance for success. Yeah, I think that human thing is just again, it, it's like one of these soft, quote unquote, metrics that um, it feels like it's 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 the the wild card in everything, right? You know, great plans, you know, can can quickly fall apart because you yeah. just didn't think about the people that are coming together to execute that plan, whether it's a merger an acquisition or some new product launch or whatever. Um, yep. If you're not thinking about how people can feel empowered to actually support whatever you're trying to have them support, you're kind of doomed. And it just, it sort of continues to sort of blow my mind how that gets ignored so frequently. And I, and I think, it seems like at least from from your in your world of m a certainly you're you're starting to open some eyes right and i think it's like that's part of this desuckifying process to me is to just start opening people's eyes to realize that there's there's more to this than than what we show on a on a on a business plan like right. people have to actually live in this and if you pay more attention to that then then yeah. the, the the suck starts to go away and and you're not so blindsided as a leader, like, well, why didn't that go? It looked good on paper. It's like, well, I think yeah. we could have told you why it wouldn't go, but you you didn't want to talk about the people yeah. side of it, you know? And and uh, and I'm using every tool in my advertising and marketing toolkit yeah. to get people to pay attention. Pay attention to me, mm-hmm. <laughs> like to be the canary in the coal mine who doesn't yeah. die. Yeah. But do people go, oh, maybe there's something toxic in the coal mine. Yeah. Uh, because it, it's status quo isn't working and, mm-hmm. and find that status quo isn't working. It, it, it just takes some people being courageous to say, well, there's a better way we can, yeah. we can, we can do this better. Yeah. Uh, so I'm playing my small part in the suck of <laughs> the M&A part. <laughs> well, I, I think it's really important. And I, like I said, I think, I think we've talked about how it definitely extends even beyond that. And there's a lot of learning. And so whether people, you know, read your book or, 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 you know, listen to you speak, I think they'll get a lot of good information that's relevant no matter where you are in your journey Thank as you. a business. And I think, 
you know, when, when, you know, speaking is a big part of what you do. Um, who, who are you currently speaking to? And if you had to pick sort of one audience that you're not speaking to that you would love to speak to, who is that? Oh, I'd like to talk to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I get that. Not just on the MA part, but just like the need to embrace uncertainty. You know, mm -hmm. I feel like I'm the convert who now wants to bring people into this religion. Absolutely. You just got to embrace it. Yeah. The more you put your energy into just embracing the uncertainty and punching through instead of, mm -hmm. you know, your energy going towards, can't we just keep it the way it was? Yeah. Um, so it's interesting that you say that because I'd say for me, 2024 is going to be a, a pivotal year. Mm -hmm. in, the, in the past, I have spoken at a lot of M&A conferences. I bet you didn't know that thing, right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I really did until I started researching no, no. for this discussion. <laughs> and there, understandably, I just wanted to show there's a different way. Like yeah. consider human capital an advisor mm -hmm. doesn't have to be me. There's a lot of great human capital advisors out there, but they, mm -hmm. they need to be a part of your, your advisory team. Mm -hmm. And so I did a lot of speaking there. Um, I'd say the TEDx talk opened my eyes to a bigger audience for me, which is pure joy yeah. for me. The concept of, so how do you embrace uncertainty? Mm -hmm. so, uh, you know, I'm a marketing and advertising gal, so I've mm -hmm. I've and um, at marketing conferences, I'm hoping to do more of that, particularly CMOs and their mm -hmm. marketing teams. Yeah, it is. It's you're on the you're riding the uncertainty bronco. And and so for me, it's, um, you know, and I can speak that language. So, yeah. so here's how to think. Here's how to think about that from a marketing standpoint. Mm hmm. But honestly, I, 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 I it was kind of tongue in cheek, but really I healthcare financial mm -hmm. services. I can't yeah. think of an industry right now that isn't dealing with the dynamics of uncertainty. And yeah. so uh, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to expand my, my message to a broader audience that as mm. you graciously reminding me and the <laughs> listeners to is my message goes beyond just M&A. It's about yeah. how do you embrace that uncertainty? What's it take mm -hmm. and what's the goal in doing it, but what's the reward, right? And, yeah. and, and what I say, it's in my title, embrace uncertainty, mm -hmm. and create opportunity. It'll come. You just got to got to lean in and embrace it. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I, I, you know, certainly think ad agencies could benefit from from you speaking there because I think. Well, we can I, all have a good cry together. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I, there's just so much like disruption in that space right now. And I think. I think in advertising, maybe a little more than other industries, because it's just filled with like deeply empathetic people that are craving the human side of yes. this. And they're feeling like that's being stripped away <clears throat> in many ways. So if somebody shows up with, with a message of hope and yeah. a message that says, oh, there's things I can actually do no matter where I sit in the organization to step into that hope. Right. And to feel like, oh, I don't have to just sit back and, and watch this industry that I love feel like it's slipping away from me. Right. I, can, I can model the behavior if I'm in a more leadership position. Not only can I model the behavior, but I can I can impact the way I think about the, the people right. side of the equation and, and do better there. Yeah. Um, because well, yeah. it's 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 advertising 101, right? We, yeah. we know as successful advertisers, it's the head and the heart. Yes. Right. Yeah. yeah. Functional benefits always mm -hmm. good. Doesn't mean 
anything if you haven't connected with people emotionally. We know yeah. that. So I would say, you know, again, that's why I'm so thankful for that lesson because mm-hmm. it applies to life as well. You yeah. Know, you got to get them both. I fully agree with that. Um, you know, I think we've kind of touched on this a little bit, but a question I do like to ask is if you could wave a magic wand and just make the world of work fully desuckified, what, what, what does that look like to you? You know, it's, it's funny because, um, it's kind of been my manifesto from the beginning. It's rediscovering the humanity in business. Mm. Uh, and, and, and for me, desuckifying work is just, is that remembering mm. our humanity. Um, mm-hmm. I did a talk, I think this is back in 2018, but mm-hmm. disrupt HR was really big and you had mm-hmm. like five minute things and my whole talk. And it's funny going back to it. Uh, my whole message was do not be a robot. Mm. Right. And, and this whole wave of AI and robots. And I feel like we're competing with robots. We're trying to like prove that we're better than robots. I was right. like, stop, yeah. like, you know, <laughs> remind people of what humanity and business mm-hmm. looks like, right? Yeah. By being an empathetic, compassionate boss, by understanding, by meeting mm-hmm. people where they are, like yeah. meeting clients where they are. Like, mm-hmm. so for, for me that if I were to wave a magic wand, it would be that everyone believes what I believe, right? We need to rediscover <laughs> our humanity in business and make mm-hmm. that what we're our lead in to, mm. to our conversations, to how we engage with people at work. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, it, it sounds very highfalutin, yeah. Um, but I do think it's possible. I I fully agree, and I love that notion of like stop trying to beat the robots at their game. We play a different game, and it's one that the robots can't play. Yes, like let's just continue to expand that side of us. And, and let the robots deal with the stuff that's not really our game anyway. Yeah. You know? um, I, there's one line that I remember from that talk that always got a laugh. And I was, and I remember saying, you know, cause Alexa and Siri always have time for you. Right. <laughs> I, I, I noted we don't make time for each other cause we're trying yeah. to be more. Mm-hmm. Right? So here we're letting robots in this mm-hmm. case, Siri, you can yeah. chat with them and they'll always answer you. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, how about like, let's show the human side, make time for other people, mm-hmm. people. How are they doing? Yeah. Actually, actually, and listen for the answer. Mm. Make that good. Hey, good morning. How are you? Mm. You know, yeah, the simple. Good morning. How are you? But then you just keep going. Like you, yeah. you don't even really care what the person's answer is. <laughs> you know, so the little things that show our humanity. Yeah. I love that. The simple stuff, like the, the good mornings and the thank yous, like the, those you know, small doses of, of humanity though, but they're, they're felt throughout the day. Somebody shows up into your office or even just gives you a a message of good morning if you're working virtually, and then maybe throws another little, thank you for doing that thing at 2 PM, whatever. It's like, it's amazing how differently you walk away from your computer at the end of the day, having those kind of interactions versus it just being like task, 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 task. Right. You know, but again, um, we all are responsible. So yeah, stop, stop so so step into it ourselves and, and create some uh, some contagion. Yeah. Well, one other thing I always like to ask is uh, I, I'm big on the sound effects with my show, and I create goofy sounds of cats oh, and other part. stuff. 
asked me for a sound effect. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, I know, uh, you know, if you're, if you're up for it, do you have a sound effect that, that we I, can throw into I, the mix here? I will give you my bell. Yeah. Uh, and insert it, but I'll, I'll highlight why I actually do have a sound effect. And cool. I'm, I'm just so glad you asked. Nice. And it, it's the theme of, I feel like our conversation, um, mm -hmm. the talks that I, I give is about knowing your value. Mm. And, and I highlight the analogy that I use there is, uh, or not even analogy, excuse me, metaphor. Mm -hmm. The English teacher would be doing. I like it. <laughs> um, I talk about, you know, so it's like, consider your value as a number that's floating over your head, you mm. know, like, wow. and that this value would change depending on the situation and who you're talking to and where mm. you are in, in the grocery store, in your office, in your house. Mm -hmm. I have a little ding that goes <laughs> off uh, that I then use throughout the speech to just kind of remind you that your value should be a number you own. That mm -hmm. number shouldn't change depending on who you're in front of or where you are in the grocery mm -hmm. store or in your office, that it's a number you need to control or at least be clear on. Mm -hmm. And I use the ding as the, as the way to just remind people that the value, your value is something you own and determine and, mm -hmm. and clear on what it is. Oh, I love that because not only it's a fun sound effect, but also as you were describing, like going to the grocery store, talking to this person, I could already picture me allowing that value to, to go down in situations where I'm less comfortable or feel like I bring less of less value to the equation. And it's like, why, why do, why am I letting right. where I show up dictate how I feel about the value I bring? That's ridiculous. So it's a wonderful reminder well, a good laugh line is, and I'll say, you know, and your value, come on, how many of us know that our value is like less than zero and we're talking to our kids? <laughs> Mom, you don't know anything. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, so that always gets a good laugh line because people are like, oh, yeah, my teenagers probably have 10. Yeah, I can only imagine. I, I don't have kids, but I can only imagine if you if you deal with a teenager for a frequent <laughs> amount of time that you probably need like a good little meditation session before you go to try to impact the world in some way, because otherwise you'll just show up like, I got nothing. <laughs> yes. So I will, I will send you my ding. <laughs> you can add it in. I, I am looking forward to it. I heard you made it and it showed up kind of nicely. The sound traveled actually when you made it. So we may use the organic or the one you send or both. Um, well, the last thing I always like to ask, obviously, is just how can people find you online? You know, if you want to give people the title of your book and how they can find that, all that good stuff. So how do people get to know you better? So uh, title of my book is Now What? Which, frankly, is what I felt like I was saying half the time somebody came into my office during the various <laughs> deals. I can imagine. Uh, now What? A Survivor's Guide for Thriving Through Murders and Acquisitions. Uh, mm -hmm. as, as rightly noted, it's a good manual. Uh, mm -hmm. A good survivor's guide just for transition and change in general. Um, mm -hmm. To say it continues to be a bestseller on Amazon, so awesome. Uh, you can find it there. There's a couple of other now what books, so just put now what Fondreve. Got it. All right. Pop up. Okay. Uh, and um, frankly, I try and keep it simple, so you can find me on uh, JenniferJFondreve.com. 
Okay. I have my initial in there, not because there's any other Jennifer J. Fondreve out there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just, it's, it's, I love alliteration. Jennifer uh, J. Fondreve. Yeah, it's got, it's fun to say. My advertising day is coming back. Yeah. Uh, actually, I am on LinkedIn a ton. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't awesome. just about MA. I, I provide advice and counsel, uh, and I don't do a newsletter. So anybody who's petrified that any with me now, like twice a month, you're going to get something from me. I don't. I, nice. I all of my philosophy and and bits of wisdom I pour out onto LinkedIn in comments. And happy to mm-hmm. say, seem to have a a rabid following of people who like what I put out. Oh, that's awesome! And I've now got uh, the beginnings of a, a Jennifer J. Fondreve jingle uh, forming in my head. I feel like that's that's the next step. <laughs> and then the ding happens at the end of it. It should be a song. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like it. Well, um, I really enjoyed this conversation. I think um, it's giving me hope, you know, as as we sit through this constant state of change in the world. And it's got me thinking about 2024 in particular and the idea that I think after coming through all of the suck of 2023, people are yeah. ready for something better and i think what you what you're providing is not only hope but but tools to do it like step into it do the things that you you can do to model the kind of behavior you want to see yeah. and then the dominoes are going to start to fall that's really the only way we we get into this better position this year is if people start doing that so i love that it's not just sort of that 30,000 foot message but you're you're giving people some ability to activate it and be a part of uh, the move to making 2024 uh, a lot less sucky than 2023 was. Thank you. Thank you. I, I try, yeah. you know, I really do. I, I, to me, you can't just sit back and complain. You got to do something about it. So yeah, I'm with you 2024 as well. Yeah, I'm with you 100%. And with that, uh, I will say goodbye and uh, good luck with everything you're doing this year. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in to the DeSuckify Work Podcast. And thanks to Jennifer for bringing joy, hope, and possibility to our conversation. Ding. You can follow Jennifer on LinkedIn and check out her site at jenniferjfondreve.com. You should also check out her book, Now What? A Survival Guide for Thriving Through Mergers and Acquisitions. It's a delightfully human take on a frequently inhumane topic. Speaking of delight, I think my website is pretty groovy too. Check it out at thepuddingfactory.net. If you'd like to learn more about the work I do, please drop me a note and we'll set up a free half hour What the Heck is Coaching All About session. Hope to hear from you soon. Bye everyone. Bye everyone.